Our New Testament reading this morning is from the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you in wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. I'm going to be looking at both passages, passages this morning, the one we used uh, earlier in the service from Isaiah chapter 40, and then uh, looking at this passage from 2 Peter. Uh, looking first at Isaiah 40, we find a, a call for us to be comforted. Now, this call is different in the context into which it was written, probably a context of um, a people who were um, taken away from their homeland, a people who had lost their freedoms, a people who were stuck in a land in which they did not want to be, a people who had really not much hope. And this word of hope was given and many of the commentators struggle with these passages from the Old Testament, the passages that were written during the time that Israel was taken away from its land, the time of desperation and hopelessness, and they struggle to try to connect that with our current lives. In fact, many say it's almost impossible for us to preach on a passage like this today because there is so much comfort that we just take for granted. So that is why... My hope is to help you to be less comfortable uh, than you were when you came in today. You're welcome. <laughs> because we have to be uncomfortable before we can be comforted. And this passage and the passage from 2 Peter are both about the coming of the Lord and the comfort that will come with the coming of the Lord. Now, it's very important to realize that this is chapter 40 of Isaiah. 
Chapters 1 through 39 are not comfortable at all. Even to the people who are needing comfort so desperately, those chapters present judgment. Those chapters present words that would lead us to fear, not to feel comfortable. And again, the commentators struggle because they say, wait a minute, is God the God who wants to judge, or is God the God who wants to comfort? Who is this God? Does God have two personalities? And they struggle because they can't put it together. But I would encourage you that this is not that difficult to do. The Old Testament scriptures are filled with warnings about the judgment and then encouragement about the judgment. And the key difference, whether you should receive it as a warning or as a comfort, is your relationship with God. Those who have a settled relationship with God need not fear the judgment because it will bring the new heavens and the new earth. It will bring hope beyond any hope that we've experienced here. But those who are not right with God, according to these words, will be destroyed. And that seems so harsh. But in the Second Peter passage, we read that God is being patient. God does not want anyone to perish. It's not God's heart that people perish. But if God is going to establish a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells, where everything is made right and good, there cannot be any more holding on to sin, anything that, not holding on to anything that is against God's plans and purposes because those things destroy the perfection that God is creating. So they must be destroyed. There is a section of this passage that I regretfully or regrettably left out uh, from the Isaiah passage. I'll read it to you now. It's hard to understand, so I left it out, and then I did my study, and I understand a little bit now, so I'm ready to share it with you. Um, verse 6, a voice says, cry out, and I say, what shall I cry? And this is what I'm to cry. All people are like grass, and their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. If you didn't feel a little less comfortable than you did when you came in, that might help. We're like grass. We're like the flowers. And that frost last night made sure that anything that was remaining green is no longer green. The grass is brown now, or at least turning there. The flowers have faded, and so are we. This is what the scriptures say, and I initially thought, I do not like this. I've heard it. It's in the it's in the uh, Book of Common Worship for a funeral service, and I don't even like it there. It's just not very nice that we fade and wither and die. That's not a hopeful, happy Christmas message. But then, as I read about this passage, I began to understand, I think, what it's saying. And it's wonderful. What it's saying is, in the first part of the Isaiah 40 passage, God 
is finished with judgment for you. God is welcoming you. Get ready, for God is sending the Savior. Make the path straight. Make everything ready to receive the Savior. And when the Savior comes, he will be your shepherd, the one who loves you. But remember, everybody, everybody is weak. Nobody has the power of eternal life within them. Everybody fails. Everybody is unworthy of God's grace. But the word of God endures forever. And what is God's word for us? God's word for us is redemption. God's word for us is reception. He will receive us. He will receive us as those that he loves. And this is glorious. And then that ties right in beautifully to the passage at the end of of the uh, Isaiah passage we looked at. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Now, I preached on sheep and shepherd one time many years ago, and someone came up to me afterward, and and she said, you forgot to say that sheep stink. And I, I was like, I really wasn't part of what I was trying to say. And I really, to this day, don't understand, even though she's still a friend, why it was so important to her that I tell you that sheep stink. But today, I'm going to tell you that sheep stink. <laughs> and it's important to know that sheep stink. In the context of this morning's message, it is important to know that sheep aren't very bright, that sheep will wander off, that sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd to take care of them. Now, that's vital to remember when you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is our good shepherd because there are days when you stink. You are never as smart as you want to be. You are never as good as you wish you were. You never are the person you wish or hope that you could be. You're never the person now that you thought you would be when you were 20. Right? All those things we thought we'd conquer, all those bad habits, all those problems that we thought we'll finally get over, They're not gone, because we stink. And what does our shepherd do with us, his stinky sheep? He gathers us into his arms. Carries us close to his heart. Not because we don't stink anymore. Not because we've gotten to a place where we're acceptable, but because that's what a shepherd does with his sheep, and that's what our Lord does with us. He loves us no matter what. And many people will stop right there and say, that's wonderful, now I'm going to behave like the stupidest sheep I can be. Because it doesn't matter, he wants to hold me close to his heart. But I want to 
just talk about my dog again. I told her this morning um, that I'm going to talk about her again, and I, and I talked about her last week. She didn't answer, but um, <laughs> when we first got the dog, I could not let that dog off leash. She would run off, and it would be very difficult to get her to come back, and it was about a year before I could know with confidence that if I let that dog off leash, she would come back. There might be one more sniff before she came back, but she would come back. If she ever seems to be wandering off doing her own thing, all I have to do is turn my back and start walking away, and she's afraid. She is afraid not to have us nearby. She is afraid not to have us close at hand. She is afraid to lose us as much as we are afraid to lose her. That's what should happen in our walk with God. That's what should happen with our relationship with our shepherd. We come in as rebels. We find this amazing love that God has for us. We receive his love. We know that we're close to his heart. And as time goes on, we should discover how good God is, how much the shepherd loves us and not want to be far away, not want to drift away very far because we know that he is the one who loves us more than we can even imagine. And that's why it's so important to build our relationship with God, to build our walk with Jesus Christ so that we can more and more know his love and therefore less and less desire to walk away from it. Looking at the second or the, yeah, the second Peter passage. Verse two, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the commands given by our Lord and Savior through the apostles. What Peter is saying is look back, remember the words, remember the promises, and as this second coming of Jesus, his return and establishment of the new heaven and new earth tarries, don't forget the truth. There were hundreds of years between the Old Testament characters. There were hundreds of years between David and Jesus. It, God, God's timing with a thousand years being like a day and a day like a thousand years is not our timing. So even Peter, thousands, a couple thousand years ago, writing says, you thought it should have happened already, but it hasn't, but don't don't give up. Because there were scoffers in that day saying, you said Jesus was going to come back and he hasn't. So it's probably not true. And even today, some of the commentaries I read, even though it says right here in this passage that scoffers will come and say that it's not going to happen, those commentators would write, well, since we know that it's not going to happen, let us do this. The very people who are called to encourage the faithful to continue to believe in these promises have said, well, we understand things differently now. I hope and pray that we do not understand things differently now. 
because there is a new heaven. There is a new earth. There is a glorious kingdom of God that will be established, and around that kingdom, we should establish our lives. We should build our lives on the bedrock of the promises of God for that kingdom, for that kingdom to be revealed. Because that is our great hope. And in this season of Advent, I think it's so important, even as we look back to the anticipated birth of our Savior, that we look forward to his anticipated return, realizing that God's timing is not ours, but God's promises are true no matter how long it takes. Don't give up. Don't walk away. Don't start thinking it doesn't matter. For what Peter says is that his return will be like a thief in the night. Now, if you know that the thief is coming, if you have one of those doorbells that shows you a picture on your phone that someone's at your door, you'll do something about it. But most people don't know. That's the whole point of thieving at night, by the way. <laughs> but Jesus will come when the world is not prepared. Jesus will return when people have said, it's not going to happen. And he's not doing that to be mean. He's doing that, Peter's just acknowledging the fact of the human heart, that we are not very good at staying ready. We're not very good at keeping that eternal promise as our primary focus because the things of this world demand our attention. The things of this world say, I'm the answer. No, I am the answer. Your heart will be satisfied in this thing or that thing or this person or this relationship or this job or this reputation, whatever it might be. And God says, no, those things are temporary. My kingdom is eternal. In my kingdom, you will find ultimate hope, ultimate value, ultimate purpose. You will find who you truly are. And you will be held close to the shepherd's heart forever. In the time of Noah, God flooded the earth. And if you think about water and what it does, water cleans us, right? You take a shower in water. You wash the dishes in water. And it cleans the outside. And God will not judge the earth by water again, but there is the promise of future judgment by fire. And what does fire do? To metal, it melts it so that it becomes totally different. It looks different. It has different appearance. It has greater purity because anything that was impure goes away when it is melted. Now, a great forest that burns is devastating. It's terrible, and we, we, we grieve the loss. But then, if you go back 10, 20 years later, there's amazing new and wonderful growth there that never could have occurred had the fire not been there first. Fire purifies. 
Water cleans, but fire purifies. So when God brings his fiery judgment on the earth and everything is laid bare, everything is destroyed by fire, he doesn't leave it there. But he rebuilds a new heaven and a new earth that isn't like the old heaven and old earth in that there will be no more impurity Nothing to keep us from the full experience of God's love and of God's grace. It will be glorious. But as I love to say, and sorry if I say it too much, I don't believe, even though one of my good friends just told me that his wife started playing the harp, and that's, that's nice for them. Um, but an eternity of harp music just doesn't do it for me. An eternity of sitting on a cloud just doesn't do anything for me whatsoever. It's just not very attractive. But what we are promised is a new heaven and a new earth. The things that are glorious here will remain. They will be transformed, but they will remain. So don't imagine heaven as this completely other kind of thing that has no relation to your life now that is sort of boring because a lot of people love to think of heaven as boring but it's not it's glorious the new heaven and the new earth are a new kind of existence similar to what we have now but so much better that is what the prophets of old put before us as orienting point of our lives. This is what the apostles put before us as the orienting point of our lives. And this is what I hope to help you hold on to as the orienting point of your life. We may not be uncomfortable enough because of all the comforts that we have because of all the things that this world offers us. And so I would encourage you, just this once, think about the things that aren't right. Think about the things that aren't working. Think about the things in your life that you know you can't achieve that you wanted to. I don't want to leave you hopeless. But I want to help you to reorient your hope from those things that clamor for our attention that say, I am the thing, to the one true thing, which is the reign of God, the new heaven and the new earth. And in that, find a comfort that isn't fake, it isn't sentimental, it is bedrock. And in that hope, orient your life. For then, you will be ready for the new heaven and the new earth when it arrives.